This is Dave Center for Bolding.com. We want to welcome you to our series, The 10 Ways for an Organization to Be Bold, the COVID-19 edition. The best way to future-proof your fundraising in tough times is connecting to your key donors. Today, we'll take an in-depth look at how to connect with top donors and more. If you're unsure how to move forward or feel stuck, don't forget to schedule a free no-shame strategy call with us. We're here to help you move from surviving the COVID-19 crisis to thriving over the next 18 months. The first thing that you want to do is you want to talk to key donors, and we would suggest 50 to 100 donors in 10 weeks or less. And you would use our uh, 10-3-1 system. Now, 10-3-1 system is very, very simple. We have actually notepads made up for this. So if you want some of those, just let us know. Otherwise, just take a piece of paper and put uh, 10 check boxes and then a blank and then three more check boxes and a blank and then one check box. And at the top 10, you want to have top 10 people that you want to call. And the next three boxes are three people that you want to send a thank you card. And then one would be somebody that you want to connect with significantly. Normally, uh, pre-COVID-19, this is somebody you want to actually go and visit, have coffee with. But under today's circumstances, you might be able to do that. So you might be able to get them on a phone call or get them uh, through video. And we, what we're looking for is somebody that stays on the line uh, for five, 10, maybe more minutes where you actually get to have a significant conversation with them. So the goal is to do the 10 and the three, and then hopefully find out of those 10 and three, uh, one each week. Now I've tested this and you should be able to do all of this in about four hours, given all circumstances are correct. So every four hours you can do 10 donors. If you did just the four hours a week uh, to kind of give you some perspective. So on average, let's say you did take the three one out of there and you just did the 10, that'd be over 500 donors that you would be contacted throughout a full year. Uh, so if you have a small donor base, you'd be able to talk to almost everybody in your small donor base. If you have a, a larger one, say 5,000 or more, you would hit the top 10% in one year by just uh, following the 1031, which with four hours per week, if you were just uh, faithful in doing that. So that's one of the things I would encourage you to do is just keep it really, really simple. You don't have to have uh, a lot of moving parts to deal with this as far as uh, how to contact donors, 1031. 10 phone calls, three thank you cards, and one significant connection. Now, if you do have troubles trying to track down people, we do encourage you to figure out a tool that you can use to just keep track of all the people that you're talking to and people that you have it. So you may use uh, an Excel sheet or a Google uh, spreadsheet. You might use uh, a task management system. Uh, I currently use TickTick.com. You might use Asana or Trello or some other task management systems. You might use a basic CRM like a HubSpot and uh, there's a bunch of other CRMs that you might use that are fairly low cost. And uh, or you might just use a simple Word document. You kind of keep track every day who you're talking to uh, or a notebook. But find a system that works for you. Don't try to overthink this, especially if it's a solo operation. Uh, you have the ability to kind of manage your own sort of uh, destiny using these tools. But if you have more than one person doing calls, you might consider doing a shared Excel sheet or a shared uh, Google Doc to manage people that way you're not each calling the same person and then it looks like you guys don't know what you're doing. Uh, 
So you do want to have a tool to manage those, uh, especially if you're going to be talking to more than 10 people a week. If you're going to try to do eight hours a week or 12 hours a week, you'd want to have a tool that's going to help you manage the different people that you're talking to. Now, the question will often come up, and I have had this myself, is what is you don't have 100 donors? What if you only have, say, 20 donors? We were working with a client the other day, and uh, they were able to raise, I think, $50,000, basically on their good name. They were a startup nonprofit, and they raised, I think, twenty dollars or $30,000 from about, I think they said, like 15 to 20 people. So they're getting significant dollars from some very a very small group of people, and they're wondering, how do you go beyond that group? Well, one of the easiest ways to go beyond that group is to just look at your email list or contact list and try to put together a top 100 people that you want to call. You might get referrals from people that have already given and just ask them the simple question, sir or ma'am, uh, if you had somebody that you thought was interested in the same information we had, you respected them, and you felt if we gave this same information to them that they would be interested in uh, joining the cause or giving dollars, uh, would you be willing to give the names? And they might actually do that, give you actually specific names. Now, at that point, you have to kind of figure out how you would approach them. And there's a few different ways that you can approach each of them. One of the ways that you might do that is just simply ask the donor that gave you the referral to make the introduction. And maybe both of you get on the phone with that other individual and say, for them to say, hey, I just want to let you know of an opportunity of working with a great organization that's making a real difference in the world and i've uh, chosen to give to them and this is how i thought you'd be interested in as well so they might introduce introduce you that way they may do it through just a simple email and saying hey uh, i thought you'd be interested in hearing what uh, john smith is saying about his particular organization and so i would encourage you to give him uh, or for him to be able to give you a call and so there's a couple different ways based on the relationship that the person referring has with the person they are referring uh, so if they have a stronger relationship or a looser relationship they may do it one or two different ways but the biggest thing is taking a lead from the person that is making the referral now if they say i would like to give you names but i just don't feel a little comfortable you can just let them know that we would encourage you to give uh, names but we won't contact any of them until we get two or three other people that we're talking to to give the same names and then you could just simply contact that person and say, hey, you know, uh, as we've been talking about, uh, you're talking about people that might be interested in our cause. Your name has come up through several different conversations as somebody that might be interested or well-respected in the community. And so we thought we'd reach out to you. So there's a couple of different ways that you can manage referrals. So that is one way that you can try to get more names if you don't feel like you have enough names to contact. Uh, you can use your email list, contact list. Obviously, you can use your friend's email list, your friend's contact list. That's another way to do that. And if you have a board of directors, you can ask them to do the same thing, to make introductions or referrals. And so as you do the referrals, it just kind of continues to move forward. So if somebody referred somebody to you, you get on the phone call, it goes very well, and they're going to give to your organization, you might ask them the same question. Do you know somebody that you respect, given proper information about our organization that you think they might be interested in? and considering a gift to our organization as well or would like to know about it. And you could then get a referral from a referral and then just kind of keeps building. And that's how you build out sort of in waves of people that are getting referred to your organization. Some other ways that you might do it if you have the ability is to do small gatherings of some sort. You may have 
uh, a person that is willing to put together a small uh, now this is again pre-covid but you could do a small gathering of 10 people at somebody's home uh, or less and actually then talk to them about your organization now in this uh, covid during this crisis you might even just do uh, ask to have like a town town hall meeting or to have a small gathering a virtual coffee meeting with four or five people to get on the call and you might be able to explain something that way as well so there are ways to get around it and ask your host to find out what's most comfortable for them and to help coordinate that effort so you'd want to make it sort of creative on how people can uh, learn about your organization none of these include any other things you might consider which would be a direct mail acquisition where you might spend if you have dollars and the availability to do dollars and if you're in the spring or fall you might consider an acquisition mailing uh, through direct mail and there's something you'd want to work with uh, a vendor we can help you with that but if you have somebody that does it in your locale you'd want to kind of talk through the pros and cons of doing different types of direct mail pieces whether it's a simple postcard all the way up to a newsletter or an appeal letter there's different ways to do that but you'd want to kind of think through that the costs are, are not insignificant when you do that so you do want to have some money to be able to do that and the other thing that you might consider is you could do Facebook ads you might uh, do some digital sort of marketing to get people on that way. So there's lots of different ways that you could get people involved with your organization to get them to a gift. Uh, we do encourage you to have a planned out pipeline, whether it's a script on a phone call, trying to get to referrals and talking through people that way, or if you're doing a direct mail piece, or if you're doing digital marketing, you wanna think through the steps that the customer or the client or the donor is going to go through to get to that page where they're going to actually give you money and so that you know that you've completed that step and then after that obviously we'd want to talk about how to uh, appreciate and then do repeat a repeat ask after that so there's lots of different ways that you can look at connecting people to your organization but as you do that you also want to look at the type of people that you have and what's going to work best for them and you might consider a low, a medium, and high value ask. And there are different ways that you would approach each one of those. And we're gonna take the time to kind of break each one of those down, a low risk or high volume ask, and a medium value ask, and a high value ask, and kind of talk through sort of the pros and cons of what goes into each one of those to kind of give you uh, a little bit of uh, knowledge about how to not only, once you have a name and you've connected with this donor, now you're at that most important time of actually asking them to do something and most of the time you would want to start with asking them for money now the reason you want to do that is you want to kind of uh, i i think of it as a waterfall method is i want to go into that that ask with the donor as the highest possible ask that i can get and so that i well not can get but the highest ask that I think is appropriate for the relationship that I have with the donor. So it's not about trying to get the most money out of the person as much as what's the, the highest ask or the most money that I can get based on the relationship and based on the knowledge I have about the donor. Because if I go into a donor that has high capacity, could give tens of thousands of dollars and I go in asking for $50, uh, I, would, I might even get the $50, but it kind of puts me back further as to I don't know how much that they are connected or feel strongly about my organization because I haven't pushed them further far enough to give to kind of figure out where they're at. So if I ask for a low amount 
and don't, and, but know they have high capacity, then I'm kind of uh, shooting myself in the foot, so to speak, as to are they truly interested or are they giving me a small amount because kind of like me, kind of like the organization, but they're really not committed that much. I really don't have enough information based on their smaller gift to know whether or not they're really connecting with us and whether I should follow up with them or not. But if they're high capacity donors and we're able to ask them for a larger gift and they do give at a medium gift or a larger gift, then I know they are connected as I follow up with them. I'm not being a creep, but they really do want to have a significant relation with our organization. So you want to look at their behavior and giving, how you ask and they're responding by giving is kind of a filter as to how much time you're going to spend if they're real connected. So this is not to say that if there's somebody giving $10,000, I'm going to give more time, uh, although it, that may be the case, but I want to mirror the depth of it, depth of relationship or connection that a donor has with me. Um, so if we have a $25 donor that's giving a lot, then I might connect with them and follow up with them and sign them into case manager because they're a very solid giver and I don't know very much about them. So if they're giving on a regular basis and as through the conversation, I find out they're very conservative, but they have high capacity, but typically they give small amounts. They may be somebody that would consider a will or a bequest. So you want to kind of tailor your response to a donor based on their connection or at least your perception of their connection with your organization. And the best way that you can filter that is by the consistency of the gift or the size of the gift. And so you want to make sure that you're asking at the highest level to put that connection to the test uh, based on what you feel is appropriate. You wouldn't want to just out of the gate ask for a million dollars if you don't know that's appropriate. So you want to kind of think through those steps and you might find somebody that knows that individual to be able to help you make that decision. So getting back to the three types of ask that we would you'd want to consider with somebody is be a low, medium and high ask and a low risk or low value ask and value not so much that it's not important to your organization, it's not important to the donor, but that it just has a low value that it's, you know, 50, 30 to 50 dollars or less. So we're just talking about a smaller gift amount. Not to say that it's not important to you or the donor, because we could make that determination based on the dollar amount alone. We want to make that determination based on the significance the donor feels about that particular gift. So having said that, you'd want to uh, look at how to find a low value ask that is meaningful to your organization. So as you're doing these asks, you want to make it mission related and to make it to where it represents something that people can get a, get their heads around it very quickly, especially on a, a low value ask. This is an ask that you can use at a an event. You can use it online. It's a broadcast message. In other words, you're telling the donor that $30 is going to do this uh, for the community or for the world. And if you give it to our organization, we'll use that gift to make that difference. And so you want to make sure that you're explaining what the value or the impact of that value gift is. So for instance, uh, some organizations, especially if they're working in the uh, overseas in the third world and they're uh, one goat or one well uh, or one school, well, that may be one school, but maybe one book at a school or one student, that 30 to $50 does make an impact over a week, over a year. And you explain that impact that they has for that 30 to $50 most people can, can make that math work fairly quickly without having to think too much. And that's the key is you want people to be able to understand what your organization is doing in the world 
at a small level or at that sort of low value ask level to where it is making a difference that is measurable and that they can then uh, figure that out for themselves very quickly within three to five seconds. Because if they think too hard, they don't know enough about your organization. You've not built enough trust for them to decide, can I trust this person? But if they're only giving 30 to $40 and they think, you know, on face value, I think it's worth the risk to give this organization. I've heard fairly good things about them, or it seems like a really good proposition and I'll go ahead and do that. Then they're not risking too much, but they're able to then pay you $30 to be introduced to what you do. And so you'd want to follow up with that person or persons they give with a welcome kit that explains to their to them that their $30 is making a huge difference and here what it is. And you might want to put in their $30 or more. And the reason you want to do that is if they give you $300 or they buy 10 goats or 10 wells or they sponsor 10 students, that tells you that they're either very interested in your organization or have capacity to give a lot more and that $30 was just not enough for them to feel the value they want to feel and give to your organization so they up the price. And so you would want to do a welcome kit and do a separate ask. And if you have the, the ability, then actually to call them to thank them over the phone and then try to figure out, is this a, because they have a high capacity, so they have capacity to give a lot more and, or that they really over, they really, they may not have high capacity, but they really love your organization and are willing to make a sacrifice. In either case, it's not to say one's better than the other, but the fact that you want to know what the case is, so you know how to then follow up the organization so that you can then mirror their commitment level. So if they are making sacrificial giving, you want to thank them appropriately. And if they're signaling that they have more capacity, then you'd want to have more conversations with them to get to the place where they feel that they're getting the, the most value that they can uh, and that they're getting the most joy ultimately for their giving and being part of your organization. It's not just that particular gift, but how you treat them is gonna be important as well. So at a low uh, value ask, which is also low risk for the donor, it's a high volume ask in that you're gonna use this most often at like a big banquet or a gala or some sort of event where you don't have a lot of time to explain intricacies of you know a school for instance or something along that line but you're asking people to give to make a decision in that three to five seconds maybe five to ten seconds and you want to be able to explain it very quickly and very impactfully then you want to do a low value ask that has a very specific statement on how we you can do different things now when i was at the at the homeless shelter we had a ten and two ones ask so uh, the pitch was, how can you, what can you do with 10 and two dollars or two ones? So it was 12 bucks. And I forget exactly how we pitched it, but I think it was three. It would help somebody for one day. It would give them three meals and a night of lodging for one person for one day. So that was 12 bucks. So when you think if you were going to stay overnight at a hotel, uh, get food, buy food possibly, you know, it'd be well over $12 for the night. And so we would say $12 would help. It wouldn't cover all the costs. It would uh, cover a significant amount of the cost to actually have this person housed uh, and also for them to be fed for one day. So you might do an ask that's easy to understand for the organization uh, or for the person to understand what your organization is doing and how much it costs. So you want to make sure it's mission related, that it has an impact, that it has some passion around it and make sure that it doesn't, it's not too complicated. It's a one well feeds, you know, a whole village or one well will feed, well, not feed, but one well will 
uh, supply water to one village or supply water for one family for a year. Whatever the, the value argument is, you want to make sure that it's fairly simple to understand on this low value ask. And low value not meaning it's not important, but low value meaning that it's 30 to $50. The next moving up would be a medium value ask. And this could be anywhere from $1,000 and up where you would, in some of the different ways that you might position this is maybe it's a, a bigger well or well that has it for the village and that's $1,000 and that would help provide supply water uh, to a village of say 100 people for one year. So you might have, again, a fairly easy formula to give out to somebody and the dollar value. It also may mean that you have one-time items. What I call a simple wish list is what are the top 10 things or the top five things that you could buy today that would make a real impact with your organization and the people you serve. So it could be a vehicle. Maybe you have a wash and dryer you need to buy or a phone system or some piece of technology, or maybe it is like a well. Something very specific that has a higher dollar value that you'd want to list those out that these can make a difference. And so you'd want to, again, make the value proposition fairly easy to understand. Now, for a higher ask, you may reserve these depending on your organization for in-person requests or requests that you can do via email, but where you have more time to explain it. Now, an event, you definitely could do these as well, depending on the type of event you had, where you could spend five to 10 minutes explaining what it is and you want to think through those dynamics. But generally, a, a wish list item of $1,000 or more, people are going to want a little bit more information on what that would that will do for your organization or will do for the participants or community that you serve. So you want to be make sure that you have the details so people ask for more details beyond the initial pitch, but you do have those. And I would consider to having, anytime you go out and talk to a donor, you want to have five, at least five items that you knew about that you've gotten your board of directors to sign off on or if you're the exec, you know you can buy today that would make a huge impact. So you'd always want to have those in your back pocket. So if you're out talking to somebody and you're at that low value ask and they surprise you that they, you know, and they say, Hey, you know, I, I, I'd really like to give $5,000 organization, but I don't want it to go to overhead. I want it to go to something specific. You could pull out of your back pocket. Hey, I've got five things here that would really make a difference. You might pitch one of those that's most important to you right now with your organization. So that's what I call having a wish list is having five to 10 items that you've already brokered with your board or uh, with your staff that these are five things that uh, are non-budgeted items that really can make a difference right now. And they usually are physical items or things that they are projects that are one-time items and non-overhead. Now there are ways to position this for a program and to kind of turn it into a project, especially if it's a first-time project. You might say this is a a test pilot program that we're trying to complete and we're trying to raise um, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars as people consider to give a one thousand a one thousand one time gift to this particular program. So there's ways to get to it that way as well. The next thing you might consider is a high value is a high value ask, which would be you would want to kind of consider doing a one page strategic plan, which is to say that maybe you have a program that you're trying to stand up and it's under fifty thousand dollars you need to buy maybe like a social worker to manage it or a person who should have to manage a program and this program is going to do xyz for our participants and it's going to impact thousands of people and we're going to stand up this program it's a first time for us to be able to do that and if we're able to test that our hypothesis is true then we'll continue to add resources to this would you like to be on the ground floor or a founder of this particular program and this would be one way to do it to have a one-page strategic plan 
The other thing you might do is if you're doing a capital campaign or a larger campaign, you might have uh, a small one pager on uh, seed money that we're trying to have seed money for our today or tomorrow fund that was going to allow us to raise $100,000, which we're going to need to build a new building. And we need to figure out how big the building is and to be able to raise the money for it. And so we're looking for seed money. So you might be doing something along that line, or maybe you're a smaller organization and $100,000 would allow you to hire a first-time staff person or to buy a vehicle or would pay your all of your utilities and rent for the year. There's lots of different ways that you can approach it, but you'd want to have a one-page document that explains everything you're wanting to do. And then you'd be able to, again, have that in your back pocket as you're out talking to your donors. So if you're on in COVID, if you're talking to them over the phone, uh, you might be able to share the document with them and they explain what you're doing. It doesn't have to be something super designed well. Normally, if you're doing a low volume or a high volume, low value ask, which is you're at an event or on on Facebook, you want to really put a lot of thought in the how you're doing the graphics and the copy and those sorts of things. And so you might need to spend more time making sure the package looks good. But as you spend more time with your donor, say a one-page document, you may actually just use a Word document that has you know, five or six key points on it, explains what the pitch or the ask is, the impact, and then how much you're trying to raise from how many people and maybe a deadline and the urgency of it. So there may be a, a five or six elements in there that don't need a lot of information. It's more almost like a talking point or a script that you're able to talk them through it and it could be a one-pager or a front-and-back two-pager as well. Now, if you're going to be doing a large capital campaign or something where you're millions of dollars involved, you may end up with a four, eight, 16-page document that explains why it's needed, uh, what are all the different intricacies, what are the three major uh, projects you're doing in that, and the programs you're launching and what that's going to do for your organization. And so there's a lot more to answer if you're going to be millions of dollars. But if you're $100,000 or less, a lot of times you can put that into one or two page document to actually do a high value ask. And you would approach somebody one on one with this particular ask. When you're doing these high value asks, you really try to teach, treat it as a dialogue, talking with somebody and saying that we're trying to do this. Can you, especially if you've not, you may do like what I call a pre-interview, which is to say that you're trying to pitch it to 10 people and see if there's traction. People get it, understand it, think it's valuable, and you get through 10 people, and you're like, wow, this is this could have some really big impact our community. And we do have initially at least 10 people in our in our uh, donor base that are willing to make that impact or that difference. Then you might then decide to then bring it on to uh, 50 people and 100 people, and so you'd want to test out your one pager because you want to make sure that donors are willing to give $100,000 for it. When you're doing a low or high volume, low value ask, you're not looking for a lot of data. You just need to pitch one or two things and you'll know very quickly. And you might do the same thing actually with 10 or 12 people to make sure that it's meaningful to them before you spend a lot of money distributing the ask. But the idea is that you want to rehearse it with people on some of these pitches to make sure that it gets past board members, staff members, that it sounds right, that it's appealing. Uh, that people get it fairly quickly, quickly. It's clear. It's urgent, and so we you do want to kind of rehearse the pitch. So those are the three main asks that you would want to look at, or a low, medium, and high value ask. And it really depends on who you're approaching. So if you're trying to approach a lot of people all at once, you'd probably want to do a low risk, high volume ask, which is to say thirty to fifty dollars, where people don't have to think too hard, but they get the impact that it's making. 
if you're starting to call people or talk to them, but don't know where they're at, don't know the com commitment level to your organization or how much they know about your organization, you might do a medium value ask and consider a wish list item, you know, items that are $1,000 or more. Uh, you could do something along that line. And then you might do a high value ask for people that know a lot more about your organization, people that have maybe given for a few years, you might consider a high value ask. So those are the three types of asks. And if you're concerned about you know, which ones and how to pitch those. That's what our no shame strategy call is all about. We'd love to encourage you to give us a call and we can talk you through some of these asks and how you can approach the different donors that you have, whether it's you have a donor base of 20 people that you're starting out with, or you have people, um, five or 10,000, 20,000 donors and how to approach them. Um, the ways to be able to map that out and figure out what your segments are. So we'd love to be able to help you with that. So as you have these asks that you have, decided that you're going to pitch, maybe there's three types that you're going to look at, then you also want to think about having a, a strategy. Are you going to call them? Are you going to email them? Are you doing it in person? Are you going to mail them? You want to kind of figure out how you're then going to distribute or pitch that to the general public. So you want to go through that process as well, figure out how much the technology is going to cost or the print's going to cost, how much money you have. And if you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time, then the easiest is to call up donors and talk to them and, and try to get referrals as you go and get through the first 100, 150 and trying to get, you know, anywhere from 50 to $500 per uh, call on average because you won't get everybody. But every time you actually get a significant uh, connection with somebody over the phone and they're actually able uh, to give and want to give, if you can average in that 50 to $500, so maybe it's $100 per call that will start to give you breathing room and money to be able to consider if you do it enough over time to consider some of the other ones of course depending on your organization where it is financially you'll have to kind of spread the love around as far as you know only a third of the money that we bring in are we going to then repurpose in our marketing fundraising efforts maybe two-thirds of it will go back into our programming so you have to kind of decide that with your key staff what's going to happen there the other thing that you might want to do, we talked earlier about it as you're thinking about these asks, is get some help. So make sure that you're asking your board members, other staff members, people that uh, extended family or friends to, especially on the low value ask at 25 to 30, is get them to share the importance of your organization and that people can make a difference for 25 to $50. And they can do that via email and make it easy for them to do that. And we encourage you to think about developing how to uh, talk about money with how talking about money kit and we have some ideas on how to do different uh, print pieces to actually enable or to give tools to people that love you a lot like your board or staff or friends of boards and staff or family members of board and staff to actually be able to share the importance of your organization and what they can do about it and we do have a podcast on that um, that you can check out on the 10 ways uh, for an organization be bold series on how to talk about money without having to talk about money and again as always you can give us a call and we'd love to talk you through that now as you're doing that you might think about are we doing that through our bit through our website are we doing it through our email series are we doing it through facebook or social onlines are we going to be doing setting up virtual calls trying to do once this COVID 19 is over will we do coffee shop visits small gatherings large gatherings you'd want to think through those processes as well now, some of the things that you want to consider as you go through this whole process, one of the big things that uh, a mentor of mine talked about is you don't want to cross the, your own values and you don't want to cross the values of your donor. So as you're going through this, you do want to make sure that it feels right to you as an organization. I know I've worked with churches and 
uh, some of the approaches that I would use in the nonprofit sector don't translate all the time into a church. And you have to think about what is best for the church itself. And it's really going to take um, its um, direction from the pastor and his personality or her personality on how you are able to, how aggressive uh, time period and how you do it will really be based on your uh, pastor and, and the pastoral staff or it could be your uh, elder group or whoever is the key leaders in that church on what they're most comfortable with. So you have to kind of work through them. And the same thing for a nonprofit as well. But generally, nonprofits are fairly a little bit more uh, able to be a little bit more risky than particularly a church is. It's a, definitely a different dynamic uh, church fundraising as opposed to a nonprofit fundraising. So you want to don't you don't want to cross your values or values of your donors. Uh, having said that, some other things you want, want to think about is don't be a creep. So if you're calling donors, you want to maybe call them the first time. If you get no answer, you maybe don't leave a voicemail and leave a voicemail on the second call. Or if you leave a voicemail, you, as soon as you leave a voicemail, you can't then call them back, at least not for a time period, because then it's how it feels desperate and feels a little creepy. So as soon as you do a voicemail, you're kind of done. So you have to decide when you can do that voicemail. And if you're going to do a note card, if they're a high capacity donor or maybe even a new donor to your organization, you might consider a note card. And if they're a new organization, new to your organization, you would consider a welcome kit, which is a little bit more information about your organization. So you might have a one page letter from your CEO, maybe a brochure in there, maybe a postcard to go to a link on your website. There's a couple of different ways you can do welcome kits as well. So you, you don't want to be a creep. You don't want to feel desperate uh, in your actions. But when you do get somebody on the phone, you want to get a yes from them as much as possible. It may be as simple as uh, a yes to a second call. It could be a yes to a volunteering or a yes to a gift or a yes, I can call you back uh, or yes, I'd consider going to an event. But you try to get a yes from them, even if it's a simple yes that says, yes, I love your organization. I love what you do and thanks for calling. Uh, but try to get them. In other words, you want to, let, to leave that on a positive note where you felt comfortable being able to give them a call back. That's the biggest thing is you want to have an, a door opening to be able to give, give them a call back or contact to them again. The other thing that you want to do is you want to give joy. And uh, the best way they can do that is to listen well. A lot of times you get on phone calls and talk with donors. You can hear some of their hurts. You can hear some of their frustrations. Sometimes even their anger. It could be at the world or it could be at your organization. You got to work through those things so that they know that their heart or their feelings, their concerns have been heard and that you've taken action because of that. And it's not uncommon that you'll get a task from a donor that says, well, maybe give me more information about this or have you considered this? Maybe you should go and talk to somebody. If they give you a suggestion or a task, you want to then circle around. As soon as you've done that, try to do that promptly within the first week or two weeks, get that done. And then go back to the donor and say, hey, you know, I did go and research that grant or I did go out and talk to that person. Here's what I found. Uh, and that will inform them that you heard them, that you care about their opinion, not just their money. And they may then consider to give you more money or maybe it worked out and, the, and you receive more money because of their ask and you can say thank you for that. But you want to make sure that you follow through on the tasks that you get on these phone calls. So a couple of things to think about as you're uh, working through uh, giving or asking people for gifts and then making the pitch and getting them to uh, respond to you is they uh, once they do give, you want to have a good solid strategy on what to do 
after that. So it's not just the one gift, but we want to then appreciate them and then set ourselves up to ask them again. When we were asking them again, it's not that we're trying to get more money out of them and um, and to put pressure on them. What we're trying to do is to appreciate and then give them a repeat experience of that first experience or the most recent experience. So if they really enjoyed giving an event or giving to a, an appeal letter or giving to a Facebook ad or you know volunteering, you want to follow that up and give them another experience because they enjoyed that so much. Then you want to give them another joyful experience to where they just get in the habit that they love giving and partnering with you as an organization. And the best way to do that is to follow up appropriately with them by saying thank you and then thinking about what are the next steps to give them an opportunity to give again or to participate again with the organization. It may lead into a board membership where they'll be on your board or a key volunteer. It could be just a, not a simple gift, but a gift. Uh, it could be a referral. There's tons of ways that you can ask them to be involved with the organization again that are not giving, but don't be shy about asking them to give again. One of the biggest ways that we received dollars when I was at this homeless shelter, when I was working there, uh, it was like $50,000 a year we received by simply including them an opportunity to give through a thank you letter. So we had a an extra piece in our thank you letter says, you know, would you consider an extra gift? And we had tons of people that would fill that out and send in another gift. Even though they've given a gift, we've thanked them, and now we're giving them an opportunity to give again. Uh, that, uh, in a couple of different years, ranged anywhere from forty to $60,000 when we did that. And I very rarely, I think maybe once in all the years, 14 years that I was with the organization, that we ever got that. We had very few times that we had anybody say, you know, why are you putting pressure on us to give because of that opportunity? You just do it sweetly and nicely, and there's ways to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to answer those. But you can ask again is the point. You don't have to wait a whole year to give them opportunity to give. Uh, when I was at the homeless shelter, we were uh, asking people to give. Uh, we could have asked them monthly. Now, it wasn't always exactly monthly. We had newsletters in there and some other things that we did. But generally, we'd have somewhere between six and eight different asks per year for people to be involved with us. And then you'd let them know how that, those gifts are being impacted through newsletters and through phone calls and appreciate them. And it's amazing how often that people will give if you're just consistently doing that. Part of that is an education piece where people will get used to the rhythm that you're that you have asking them to give. So if you have a rhythm of once a year and you all of a sudden go to five a year, that might be problematic where they're like, you know, you're you're asking us too much. But if you're consistently asking them six to eight times, they're they're gonna be educated or sort of trained on how often you ask. Now we did have some people that said, hey, you know, that's too much, Dave. We don't want you to be asking us as much. This is great. You know, do you know how much that you're willing to give per year? Well, yeah, we'd love to give between $200 and $400 a year, great. Well, how about if we mark that down? Is that what you guys normally give? And we'll just send you our newsletters and then periodically send you a reminder about your commitment to give two to $400. And so you might have sustained givers, people that are not pledging. You're not asking them to pledge over three years. We're just asking them, what are the facts? You're willing to give three to $400 a year and you normally give around this time. Okay, let me mark that down and, and so that I can send a reminder appropriately and then follow up with a, an appropriate thank you. And we're off to the races. We can reduce around the amount of mail that you're getting from us, that you get newsletters that are appropriate to you and thank you letters that are appropriate to you. Now, not all organizations have the capacity to do this, uh, but it is something to consider that when people do have objections on 
the rate of mailing that you give them that you are able to tone that down appropriately and there's ways to do that as well so your ability to educate your donors on the pace of asking or pace of thanking them you do want to think through that and so you uh, we had an excel grid that we just listed all of our segments all the people uh, types of people that we're going to ask and then by month what are all the different ways that we're going to be asking them and then we mapped it out who was getting what so which segment of people were getting which which mailers or which emails so to make sure that we weren't overloading a particular segment to make sure that we knew the pace and how often people were being thanked and are uh, asked and thanked. One of the biggest things that uh, I really work with organizations about is their mindset. And this is really important because it really affects everything you do from how often you ask, how you ask, who you ask, is what do you think about fundraising itself? So if you hate fundraising, you think it's an evil that you have to do, but it's evil in nature, then that's really gonna reflect on how you talk to donors, how you uh, send letters, how often you send letters, or how often you don't send letters, really. And so I just wanted to go over a couple of things in here, uh, just on your mindset that would really help you as you kind of move forward. One of the things I would encourage you to think about is that every time somebody says no or, or doesn't respond, to your ask or to appeal letter or to something, it just means that it's a not yet. It's not at this moment that I'm going to uh, give. It doesn't mean that they don't like your organization or they won't give in the future. It just means in that particular ask, they were not interested. They didn't see it. They were too busy. There's a hundred different reasons why that would happen. But just to learn to how to turn every no into a not yet, especially if you're on the phone with somebody and they say no, then you kind of figure out a way how we can look at that as a not yet and it's as simple as keeping the door open appreciating them thanking them listening to them and then hopefully you're able to retreat and then ask again in the future and that maybe not be the same amount it may be to a softer ask maybe it's a smaller amount maybe to an event to a volunteer event you're having there's tons of ways to turn no's into not yet's and not yet's into yeses thing that you want to do is you do want to respect your values so if you have certain values about fundraising you do want to respect those and the, the values of your donors but I would just encourage you to challenge yourself to find out if those values you have are assumptions you're making about the donors and how you feel about fundraising when you receive a bunch of things from people just because you have people that are asking you for money in ways that are not good or do it in ways that are really negative and you have a negative feeling doesn't mean that you can't do it well and that you can ask people appropriately and ask people in a winning way that they're like, yeah, this is really feels good and it's really good. So just because you get frustrated with people sending you mailers to ask for money doesn't mean everybody feels that way. And just because you feel it, you know, it's not appropriate to ask over the phone, maybe not everybody feels that way. And generally, we don't either uh, asking over the phone, uh, depending on the circumstances. Sponsorships are a little bit different. You can. We tend to find that we can ask for sponsorships over phone, especially if you're working with um, particular businesses. But generally, we try to figure out ways to not ask over the phone. Again, depending on the situation, there's ways to do it. But we like to say thank you a lot to listen to our donors and then uh, get them to a meeting or to an event where we can't ask them in person. The uh, next thing you want to do is, as I mentioned, is you want to stretch your comfort zone. Try things out of your box a little bit. So you found, find yourself a little bit uncomfortable, you know, stretch yourself a little bit and find out how that works. The other thing is test everything, is that you want to test the message, you know, rehearse it with people before you send it out publicly. 
And even when you send it out publicly, you find out what the results on your particular message compared to last year's if you're doing the same message seasonally. But test everything. Don't just assume that this would work or this would work, but just test everything. And the, along that line is you don't want to make decisions for your donors. Uh, and I talked about this just briefly earlier, but don't assume people will respond to your organization in one way or a different way. What you want to make sure that you're doing is that you're finding a passionate plea for the people that you serve and you tee that up or you then pitch it. But don't make decisions saying it's too high or too low or any of these. I mean, you want to use the knowledge you have and those sort of things, but really challenge yourself. Am I making a decision for my donor? It's amazing how early in my career I would look at the list of, say, 50 names I needed a call to see if they would give to an event or a sponsorship or consider meeting me for coffee. And I would go down the list and I would be like, oh, they wouldn't want to do it because of this. I wouldn't be doing it pretty soon. Out of 50 names, I only had five people I could contact. And what I learned is I just need a call. I just need to get on the phone and say, if nothing else, if I do nothing else, I could just say thank you. And then if I get on the phone and my initial thought was correct, I just get off the phone, no harm, no foul. But if I say thank you, engage, I might find that the assumptions I was making about the donor were uh, unfounded, that they were not true. They were just me uh, laying my thoughts and opinions on the donor and what they were doing, and it was not correct. And so a lot of times you need to really kind of push that back in your brain a little bit and say, I don't, is this a, is this based on knowledge that I know is true or is this based on a, an opinion I have about the situation? And I have to kind of work through that a little bit. And the best way you might do that is to talk to your CEO or talk to a board member or talk to another staff member and just kind of talk through, hey, this is how I'm seeing it. What do you think? One of the other things that I would encourage you along this line is that, you know, it's hard to sometimes know where the line is that you're going to cross. And sometimes you have to give your permission to cross certain lines and sort of deal with the, the aftermath, so to speak. And not to say that you're going to just do something totally inappropriate. But if you're not quite sure if you should push, say, $1,000 to $2,500, $2,500 on an ask, or maybe, you know, somebody just gave, you're going to think about asking them again. There's lots of different things that you would say, well, it's crossing the line. Sometimes you have to cross it to find out where your donor is because you might find out your donor doesn't feel as poorly as you think they do, or they actually feel very strongly. Uh, or they may just tell you, hey, that was, you know, that's crossing the line. And then you're, you say, I apologize, you know, I understand what you're hearing and it won't happen again. And we really just love what you do for the organization and uh, we appreciate it. I once had a, a donor that had given to an event and it just completed. I'd said thank you. And I think a couple weeks later, we were uh, actually gearing up for another event that was going to be in about three or four months. So it was quite a ways away, but we were trying to get an early start. And he was on my rotation. And so I, I went into his office and said, hey, I you know, just want to let you know about an event that's coming up. And I, I th he, he must have had a bad day, but he just really railed into me. Wasn't the money I just gave you enough? And, you know, why are you doing this and all this? And I just said, thank you. I got out of there. And then I waited a week later, went in and said, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you do. And I, this is what I heard from you. <laughs> Obviously, is that you, the event that we're doing you like, this other one doesn't sound like you like it as much. We do, it happened to be a gala that we did. I says, I'd like to give you a couple tickets. You know, no charge. I really pre, you know, apologize for asking you to get so early and, and making you feel like, you know, we don't appreciate it, but we really, really do. 
and we were able to win back that organization. And not that he gave to the gala again, but he continued to give that first event and did it well for a lot of years. And you just, but you don't know, you don't know. I can't assume that he doesn't want to do the event and that could be equally, could be equally harming to the relationship if I didn't invite him to that and then he found out about it and I've had that happen. He said, you know, Dave, why didn't you invite me to the event? I would have loved to go. I said, well, you went to the other event. Well, why are you making that decision for me? Allow me to make the decision. So you want to kind of think through those things a little bit and just don't, just know that sometimes you will cross a line and that's just the way it is. You just never know. The, the last thing along that line is every bad conversation is right for a good ending. I'll tell you one more story and then we'll kind of move, move through some more of our information that we have for you is that I was out talking to a donor and I had forgotten that he doesn't like to be thanked and I had bought him a mug. Well, a mug for donors at his level, we were giving some out during that season of a year and I went out and was talking to him and his wife and he got so mad to get us to tears that I had brought this mug out for him. But I stayed with it. I ended up talking with him for 20 or 30 minutes and just apologized and said, you know, I, I know that you had told me that. And I, I just I, I just was honest. I said, you know, I forgot we're giving these to some donors. They do appreciate it. And I realized that, you know, that that's not something that you appreciate. And, you know, you have a different view on it. And we understand that. And we won't do that again. And as I talked with him and kind of worked through that initial shock and anger that he had towards us, he ended up giving the largest gift he've ever given to our organization. Now, they were sort of a low to medium giver, so I mean, it was it might have been like 500 bucks, but to him, it was a lot. It's very significant. And he gave the largest amount he'd ever given to our organization, and it just really showed me that people are able to kind of work through those those anger, the anger they might have, or if you mess things up. So it's okay. You just stick at it, appreciate, say thank you, be honest, apologize, and just let them know that you think the world of them. And you're, you'll be surprised how many people are just good people that will forgive you and move on. And if they don't, I mean, that's just kind of part of you doing fundraising is there are going to be some people that no matter what you do, they're not going to like what you do. And it's just what happens. And you just got to kind of be able to work through that as well. So some of the things that I would encourage you as we kind of wrap our talk up a little bit is that you want to make sure that you're out talking, being intentional about talking to people. So we encourage you to do the 10, 3, 1. So 10 names um, that you're going to call, three that you send thank you, and one significant uh, connection, whether it's over phone. And once you get it, we get out of COVID-19 to actually have a face-to-face visit uh, with at least one person. And generally, you can consider four hours of time to be able to do that. And if you did that for four hours every week for 50 weeks, that would be over 500 donors that you connected with and hopefully 50 that you actually talked with or had a significant conversation. And that generally for the most nonprofits, I find that they don't have an active program to do this. So that would make a huge boost in the amount of giving, uh, both in the how high people will give or amount they will give and how often. It will also make sure that you don't lose donors. Uh, that's one of the big things. You don't want to lose donors. You want to add donors as much as possible. So the next 10 days, we would just encourage you to, to write that down, 10 3 one and add some old names, some new names. As you're doing that every week, you just do a 1031. So as you're talking through those, you'll take some names off your list, you'll add some to your list, take some off, add to your list, and you just keep doing that over and over again and so that you can get to that magical 500. And not that it's magic or you have to get to 500, but if you're doing it consistently and not putting so much pressure that I have to be out 
you know, every day, but maybe it's four hours a week that you set aside a block in the afternoon, that that can be done and then you can manage it. We talked earlier about having a system, whether a tool, whether it's a spreadsheet, a sauna, some sort of task management system that you're tracking that, you'd want to do that as well. And as you're out talking to people or you get letters, listen to people's feedback, you want to make sure that you have a really good key message that you adjust your ask appropriately and uh, listen to what people are saying until you find one that really works. And then just when you find a pitch that really works, broadcast that one out, especially if it's a, a, low, a, high, a low value ask, then you want to get that out through events, get it out through your Facebook ads or digital marketing, get it out in the mail. Once you have something that really makes a difference, you want to really work that into your fundraising uh, program as much as possible. Once you've done that, once they've figured out who you're going to ask, how much you're going to ask from them, how often, and you then thank them appropriately, you also want to think about how do I then tell them the impact of what that $30 or $50 or $300 or $1,000. So you want to have that appreciation and impact and so that you are able to turn around and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And then you might consider, depending if there is a sponsorship or larger, you know, and if you have permission, you might say, hey, you know, you were one of five other people that did this or you were part of hundreds of people that gave and together we were able to do this to let them know, know they're not alone in the giving. And for some donors, it's really important that you're not relying just on their gift because it becomes too much of a pressure, especially if you're at a higher end amount. You'd want to make sure you tell them that they're not alone, that you've asked uh, other people and other people are giving. Uh, let them know the difference it made, especially if you can do some testimonials, maybe you can do a video, maybe it's just a, a testimonial that you write out as to what's happened. The more that you can make it authentic and real from the person that is being helped, the better off you're going to be. Then you want to make sure that as you're doing all of this, that you continue to update your small ask, your wish list, update your gaps. As you continue to meet your goals and you thank donors for them, make new goals, uh, new asks, and pretty soon over time you'll have a rhythm that seasonally that in the fall we ask for these things in the spring we ask for these things and we have this wish list that's going and then we have these test pro programs and then you kind of have a pace and a rhythm to your organization how you're approaching your donors and the more that you can have a, a rhythm the more they're going to be educated and donors are going to appreciate that and they will get into a place where it's a habit for them to give and that's where you want them is to that means their trust level is high they feel appreciated and they have joy with your giving now, you do want to rock the boat a little bit to ask them for a little bit more than normal to just challenge them to give. So that's another thing you want to do periodically because you do want to get people to give more to where they, their enjoyment goes up and that you get the dollars that you need to make an impact in the world. So as you're doing all these different things, I really encourage you to think about all the things you could do. But if you're a solo shop, just do the 1031 every week and just call somebody. If you're a larger shop, then you might think about how you segment, how you develop a low, medium, and high ask, value asks, and how you're going to position that with different segments and have a system to be able to do that. And then as you're asking, you want to get through all of the different objections. Don't be a creep for sure. Appreciate, appreciate, and then let them know the impact of that gift that they gave you. So it's a really big deal you want to do. At the end of the day, you want to gain more names more money and give more joy. Those are the three top three things you do for any fundraising program is get more money, get more donors, and give as much joy as possible. Hey, this is uh, Dave Center. We want to thank you for tuning into our series of 10 ways for an organization to be bold, the COVID-19 edition. 
And uh, the best way you can future prove your fundraising tough times connecting to your top donors on a regular basis. Today, we've given you an in-depth look at how to connect with key donors and more. If you're unsure on how to move forward or feel stuck, schedule a free no shame strategy call. We're here to help. You move from you can move from surviving the COVID-19 crisis to thriving over the next 18 months if you put some of these into practice. And if you get stuck, please reach out. When you need a trusted friend to help you face the future without fear or panic, Bold Leading is here for you. Visit us at boldleading.com today.